0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church Dundalk. Amen. I'm just going to share, continue to share what the Lord's been putting on my heart this past couple of Wednesday evenings and it's been a couple of weeks since I shared on a Wednesday so I'm just going to do a quick recap just to, you know, get everybody on the same page to make sure that everybody follows and you know the scripture that i started with a couple of weeks back was second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 where it says for if anybody is in christ he is made a new creation who's in christ this evening amen who's been reborn all things have passed away all things have become new amen and we kicked off from that scripture and we talked about you know that the real you is on the inside. What am I speaking of? Your inward man, your spirit man is the real you. And a lot of the times we get mixed up or we lose focus about who we truly are. See, the part of us that was reborn, what that scripture is talking about is, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's made a new creation. That new creation is that rebirth. That spirit has been reborn. It was dead and now it's alive in Christ. That's what that is. You still look the same when you look in the mirror. You'll still think the same. And we talked about all these things, that the real you is your spirit man. And church, I encourage you. I heard a minister say before that every morning when they get up, they look at themselves and they say, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. And they're just reminding themselves that they're a spirit being. That's who you really are that is where your true identity is found amen and there's a whole spiritual realm you know that's a lot more real than the physical realm we see around us and we looked at you know many of verses and um, we looked at that word carnal and when you get when when I say you know when we say that you know people are, have a carnal mindedness it's like it's not just like oh people think of just like sin and participating in those things but carnal is anything that's you know focused on the five senses where that's just where everything lies where you don't you don't believe for anything outside that and that's that restricts your faith amen because we're not called to live by sight we're called to live by what faith amen so we looked at all those things we're new creations in christ the fullness of God is dwelling on the inside of us with the authority to use the name of Jesus and walk in his power. Amen. Who wants to walk in his power? Who doesn't just want to, you know, say that we have these things or, you know, have a good speech prepared for people who, you know, might ask you a question about what you believe in. Who wants to have a demonstration of what you truly say, what you believe? That's what it should be like. We should be demonstrating God's power in, through us. Amen. He's put that in us, not for us to keep it locked up for ourselves, but to give to other people, to do what we've been called to do. Amen. That's all happens when we tap into our spirit because everything he gave, everything he has given us to succeed in life, to reign and rule in life is in here. And our job is to draw it out. Amen. It's not enough to know that you have something or it's not enough to know that you possess something and do nothing with it. It's not going to be any value to you then. Amen? There's no point sitting on something and not using it. It's about tapping into it and drawing it out. And unless you get a revelation of who you really are, you won't be able to do those things. You know, so right back from when you received Jesus at salvation, that new creation is perfect and truly righteous. You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? There's no imperfection in your spirit, man. You can't perfect... True holiness and righteousness. It's already perfected. Amen. Some of the verses we looked at, just bear with me because I've got pages and pages here that I won't have time to recap on everything. But we looked at the how we're either in Christ before or when we accept Jesus, we're in Christ, before that, we were dead in Adam. You're either in one or the other, okay? That's when God looks at you. He sees you're either in Christ or in Adam. You're either dead in your spirit or you're alive in your spirit. And we looked at all those verses in Romans. And some of the other scriptures we looked at, and I'm just going to read some of them out here, was... Um, Second Corinthians 5.17, which I said, Second Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our sin. Amen. So we don't need to be looking at ourselves as sinners because that's not how God sees us. We're not to be living in condemnation. We're not to be living beating ourselves up all the time. But see, unless you have an understanding of who you really are and what Jesus done for you, then you're going to live in that realm of just being so focused on the physical. Amen. First Corinthians 1 and verse 30, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen. There it goes, it tells us again, we're righteous, we're sanctified, and we've been redeemed. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, for he who is joined, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. We're We're one with him. Just like a husband and a wife joined to become one flesh, we become one spirit with him. Isn't that good news? Amen. You know, and one of my favorite verses, you'll hear me say it time and time again, 1 John 4, 17, that just as Jesus is, so are we in this world. I love that verse because it's not something that we're working towards. Are we in this world right now? Have we been recreated in Christ Jesus? So our spirit is just like Jesus. You're identical to the way Jesus was in this world. It's not something that's gonna happen when you get to heaven. Amen. You know, we'll get our glorified body and we'll be fully, spirit, soul, and body glorified. But your spirit is in that condition right now. And see, when we talk about, you know, ruling and reigning in life, when we talk about walking in the newness of life, walking in abundant life, you know, how it's a choice. And many people hear that and be like, but how? How can I choose that? And to think it's this big complicated thing. You know, oh, and then a lot of people get into, oh, maybe God it, may, maybe God will do it for me, maybe he won't. And instead of what it actually is, is what you're tapping into what he's already done in here. You're living, you're walking by the spirit and not by the flesh. Amen? Because that's where everything is. You're just drawing it out. See, if the switch isn't turned on, there's no power flowing out from the inside. Amen? We have to get a revelation of that. So then the last time we were together, we were talking about, on Wednesdays, we were talking about righteousness and the subject of righteousness, you know, what it really meant. You know, and it's just been right in the eyes of God. It's having right standing before him. You know, it's something that we couldn't accomplish on our own. Our human righteousness or the ability to become moral or justified by our behavior is as filthy rags, it's no, it was worth nothing. We can't get to the Father except through Jesus. And we get through Jesus by him making us righteous. Making him just the way he is. Amen. Because when he, God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees your spirit, man. Amen. When sin entered in through Adam, it caused wickedness in the heart of man. So that had to be dealt with. You know, that wickedness that led to sin and, you know, that sin nature. And that had to be dealt with. God had a plan. Aren't you thankful that God had a plan? From the very beginning. It's not something that, you know, because the devil thought that he'd won. But God had a plan. Way back from Genesis, the Bible tells us God had a plan. I'm going to send somebody. And it was going to be my son to redeem all of mankind. Amen? That was God's plan. We are part of God's plan. Jesus accomplished that for every believer. So, upon receiving him as our Lord and Savior, your inward man, the real you, becomes the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Church, you need to declare that over yourself. And this is stuff, this is basics. This is stuff that we should know as Christians. But it's so easily forgotten. We lose sight of the condition that we're in, of who we really are. And that's dangerous. It is dangerous. You know, and then we talked about um, how it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11 but you O man of God flee these things and pursue righteousness so then um, it was as if the Lord was showing me you know a lot of the times people think because they, okay my spirit righteousness is righteous then what do I do do I just do whatever or I can just stay in that condition or I'm saved so all is well but no, the Bible tells us, and that's what we finished with the last time we were together, was tells us time and time and time again to pursue righteousness, to live for righteousness. Amen? Because we still have a choice and we can choose to walk in unrighteousness. On, in on and that is when we're going to get into bother. That is when it goes, because we're going against the very thing that happened on the inside. Amen? Like Jesus died to eradicate us from sin, to take sin away from us. So he doesn't want us walking in those things and living by those things. And tonight I want to talk a wee bit about shining forth his light and his glory. That's what we're to do. We can't do those things if we're not fleeing from unrighteousness. Amen. So I'm going to try and tie all that together. But So I think that's where I left off the last time. You know, we looked at many verses, you know, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There you go again, for they shall be filled. Matthew 5 and verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about how, you know, you can't settle for any unrighteousness in your life. If something or somebody is leading you into unrighteousness in any way, cut it off. And a lot of the times, you know, the enemy will play that trick with you saying, oh, you're supposed to walk in love. Christians are supposed to show love to people. But, you know, we are to, yes, we are. We're called to love people. We're called to, you know, show God's goodness. The Bible says the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Not, you know, beating them up. Not pointing out everything that they're doing wrong. Amen, but it doesn't, it doesn't tell us anywhere in the word for us to do, go and do what they're doing in order to win them. Amen, it's the opposite. We're, not to, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we're to continually be the salt of the earth, be the light of the earth. Amen. You know, loving people does not mean that you must agree with something that's contrary to God's word. Never ever agree with anything that's contrary to his word. You know, walking in God's love is doing everything you can to turn the people around you away from sin and towards him. That's true love. That's really walking in love. And people might not say that. People may not, you know, look at it that way because a lot of the times it comes with them, you know, having to be corrected or dealt with by the Holy Spirit or whatever, or them coming to repentance. And a lot of people don't like that. So they automatically think, oh, that's not you walking in love. But you, without you even saying anything, Has anybody in here experienced you even living your life for God in front of people makes other people feel uncomfortable without you even having to open up your mouth about specifically about maybe what they're doing? You might not even know what they're doing and they don't want to be around you or they they think that you know you're being judgmental or you're being whatever and it's just because you're living your life the best way you know how the way God's Tells you in His word to do it, and it makes people feel uncomfortable. Never, ever, ever compromise on those things. The Bible tells us in, six, in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we are to seek. You know, so the condition of our born again spirit should be continually affecting our entire lives for the better. Like I said, you don't just get saved and then, okay, what happens next? And then continue to live that, you know, beaten down, depressed, you know, pushing against the wind type of life. Everything's a struggle. Everything's an uphill hike and you feel exhausted or drained or that is not the way it is supposed to be, amen? We're supposed to be pulling out from the newness of life that's on the inside, amen? We've been reborn in Christ and we've been made the righteousness of God in him. We've been perfected. So this change and this transformation should be seeping out into every part of your life. It should be seeping out into every part of your life. And we should be walking in the abundant life that Christ Jesus died to give us. You know, we need to keep activated on the outside what happened on the inside. You have to keep activated on the outside what happened on the inside. You see, you don't just... Do nothing. You have to work at it to keep it activated, to keep it alive in you, coming out through you. You know, the outside should mirror what has happened on the inside that's what i meant about you should people should see the change in your life people should look at you and know that something happened there's been a change they may not understand what the change is but you know the change is on the inside the new man is now there the old man's gone that's what it means in second corinthians 5:17 old things have passed away that old person's gone See, a lot of the times people hang on to that. They hang on to those, you know, they think back of their mistakes. They think back of, you know, think times where they've missed it. And they think, oh, nothing's happened. And they think that there's still that, that brokenness on the inside or that, you know, something that they're holding on to. And that, the Bible says all things have passed away. All things have become new. We should be living our lives Please him, and this will only happen when we yield to the power of God in our lives and pursue righteousness. We should not be allowing the cares of this world and the effects of our circumstances to keep us down in the valley all the time. We're not to be camping and living out in the valleys, we're not supposed to be struggling down there. We should be soaring to new heights in our Christian walk church we should be soaring to new heights we should be going from the Bible says we're going from glory to glory not from dump to dump amen we're going from glory to glory we should be soaring we should be soaring on the mountaintops not camping down in the valleys how do we do that why do so many Christians why do so many believers find themselves in the dump you know They have an experience with God. They have an encounter with God, and then a few weeks or months later, you see them, and they're they could either be right back at square one, or they're struggling in some makeshift way or form. And it's it's like, why? What happened? Did something? You know? Did God leave them? No. It's because you have to keep activated on the outside. What happened on the inside? You have to keep doing things. We must choose to live by that nature that, we've, that has been transformed. The new covenant that Jesus made with his blood is what enables us to walk in the newness of life. We are under a new covenant based on better promises. That is what enables us to walk in the newness of life. We're not under condemnation. We're under the ministry of the Spirit, which gives life. It gives glory. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, God put this scripture on my heart the other day just what i was saying about we should be going from glory to glory verse 7 but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stone was glorious so that god's people could not look steadily at the face of moses because of the glory of his countenance which glory was passing away how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that that God's people could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. Amen. Amen. The veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of of the Lord, and this is where I wanted to get to, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I love these verses. You know, we can all draw close to God because of the condition of our spirit. We don't need to be covered. We don't need to be covered. So if we're not covered, we can shine forth his light and his glory. People can see his work in our lives. People can see the transformation that happened because we're allowing those things to come forth. What an honor. Church, what an honor to represent Christ on this earth. What an honor to represent him. And if we're constantly beating ourselves up by not tapping into what has taken place on the inside... We, we can't show forth his light. We can't show forth that transformation that happened on the inside. If we're carnally focused or walking in unrighteousness, you won't be shining forth that light either. See, where you allow the Holy Spirit to rule in your life, to teach, to lead, and remember we looked at the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, guides us into all truth. Where you yield to that in your life, that's where the freedom is. Amen? When you allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in your life. Everything has been done on the inside. We just have to allow the Holy Spirit to rule. And we must give him permission to do this. We must give him permission. You know, so now that we've really figured out that the condition of our spirit is righteous, the condition of our spirit is unchanging, the Bible tells us that God has sealed us, sealed our spirit with the Holy Spirit. So our condition, our, our holy Spirit is righteous, it's perfect, it's pure, it's recreated in true holiness. So then what do we do? We have to allow every part of our body reme- of our being, because remember, we're spirit, soul and body. So we have to allow every part of our lives to shine forth His light and His glory. So we have to make sure that that switch is on from the spirit flowing out. When we do we will remain in that place of freshness and fullness. You know, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory, verse 18 where we read, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. That Greek word used here for transformed is metamorpho. And it's the same Greek word that was used in Romans chapter 12 and verse two, where it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's the same Greek word. Part of us being transfigured into looking more like Jesus is when you take control of your mind. When you take control of your mind and your thoughts and get them to line up with the real you. You know, we spend so much time talking about the mind. You know, it's, it's you know, they it's been taught at the ladies' Bible study. It's, it's mentioned quite frequently from the pulpit. The mind is so important because, church, it's a place where the battle is lost time and time again. The mind, you have to take control of your mind. You have to take control of the thoughts that are coming into your mind. You can't let them stay there if they're contrary to God's word. So part of you being transfigured into looking more like Jesus is when you take control of your mind, when you only think good thoughts and you get them to line up this is the biggest thing we need to get right if we're not looking to him in all that we do we won't be shining forth his light the great news is we're heading for greater levels of glory amen he wants us to be so full of his light that we're beaming to the world around us beaming like I often use that illustration of the of the lighthouse you know in the darkness you can see it it's there to show the ships where it is. It, sh- it shines forth a bright light. We're to, we are to be a lighthouse. Shining forth God's light to the people around us. It all comes from the inside. Keep the switch on and allow the flow to the outside. You know, how do we stay full of His light and fresh in our walk with God? You know, because... And that's what God put in my heart to talk about was... A lot of the times people, you know, experience God, you know, even at salvation or even afterwards. And then it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't stay fresh in their lives. It doesn't, it doesn't um, stay their focus. And then that's when they're not going from glory to glory. That's when they're not going from mountaintop to mountaintop and they find themselves in the dump when they're not focusing on these things. You know, and God put this um, word in my heart many months ago, and you've heard me mention it a lot, but it's, it's, we have to remain active in pursuing the things of God. We have to remain active in pursuing the things of God. You know, that word passivity, that, a passive Christian is very, it's defined themselves in a very dangerous position. What do I mean by that? It's, you're sitting around waiting for something to happen, waiting for God to give you something. Waiting for somebody else to do something. Just, you're sitting believing. You're sitting, you know, knowing what happened, but you're just not taking the steps to keep it activated. You're not keeping the steps to be active in your walk with God. You're just sitting by, laxy-daisy, la- lackluster. And it's dangerous. A lot of the times, people like this base their life choices or their next move on the condition of their circumstances and their situations and not on the condition of who what happened on the inside of who they really are you know faith always is moving did you know that faith always progresses it doesn't regress faith always goes towards god's promises faith doesn't cower in fear faith doesn't go backwards faith is always moving and we're called to live by faith. God has filled us with His power, His authority, His glory, His righteousness, His anointing, His spirit. This is what your inward man is like. This is what you have on the inside of you. What, what do we be sitting around waiting for? What, do we, what are we waiting for when we're in that passive place? Waiting for, you know, oh God, do something else for me. God, pour out more of your spirit. God, do this. God, do that. And it's, he's sitting waiting for you to do something. Because he's already placed it on the inside of you. Passive, being passive is dangerous. He wants us to be bursting with the fruit of the spirit, with so much love, so much joy, so much peace, that we overcome everything that tries to set us back or come against us. You know, As born-again believers, God made himself a home on the inside of us. Do we really grasp what that means? Like He's made a home in our spirit. We carry the presence of God with us. The Holy Spirit took up residency in our hearts. You see... When you read the Old Testament or back in the old days, you know, the presence of God wasn't in the in, on the inside of them. That only happened because of Jesus. It was in the temple or it was in a building. It was in a place. But the Holy Spirit has taken up residency in your heart. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me just read that really quickly. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you a wee bit about is glorifying God glorifying God. You know, the Greek word for temple in this verse is naos, and it it depicts, you know, um, like a shrine or a temple or a building. And, you know, Paul used that word here because the Corinthian people would have been very used to shrines, beautiful buildings and temples. They would have been used to those things. So they would have known what he meant when he wrote this letter to them. And he's saying that you are now that place of residency for the Holy Spirit. You are now that place. The worship comes from in here. You're not going to a particular shrine to worship. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, we have become God's workmanship. What does that mean? It means he has created a place on the inside where he can dwell. Do you think he's going to come and dwell in some botched up, fallen down shack? You're perfect on the inside. He is in here, in your spirit. He's taken up residency in here, which means this is, like we said at the beginning, we're one spirit with him. So we are perfect on the inside. I'm telling you, church, these are stuff that you have to, have to, have to get an understanding of. And you know, we say these things, we say these things, and I'm, I know we say these things because I said them, and I only recently got a revelation of what it really means to be truly, 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 to have a true understanding of what took place. It's, it changes everything. It changes everything. We should now be representing the glory of God and his transformative power. You know, you go to a shrine and it's a beautiful building or a bit of, like it's, it's set up and it has the best of things on it. And it's, it's designed to give, you know, it's designed to be a place where people can come and uh, praise or whatever, worship. And to show some respect, and to whoever it's it's for, and we are to be that place. We are to show God's glory in us, because we are His shrine. If you get what I mean, we are where He we are hosts of the presence of God. That is who we really are. You know, when you look in the Word at the detail that was required for the temple, in order to host God's presence, how meticulous and spectacular it was. Yet as New Testament believers, he's living in us. He's living in us. He made us beautiful and magnificent. This is who you really are. You know, notice how he says we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, both of which are God's. You know, just like we've been saying, we're to be representatives and ambassadors for Christ by showing forth his glory and his power, which is on the inside. So just like it tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, We must always glorify God in every area of our lives. And by doing this, we're recognizing his power at work in us. We're remembering his power at work in us. We're placing all of the value on what he has done. You know, when we glorify God with our lives, we will continue to yield to the spirit and keep ourselves fresh and renewed. How do we stay activated on the outside? Keep glorifying God. That's one way. Keep glorifying God in everything. You know, we've been talking about how we must continue to pursue righteousness and live, live on to righteousness. Unrighteousness is not glorifying God in your life. That's why we're to stay away from it. We're not to partake in it. When you devalue or discredit what God has done, you're walking in unrighteousness by not glorifying him, by not giving him all of the honor and the praise. And I want to read to you um, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. You know, and in the context here, Paul is speaking here about people who've taken steps away from God. You know, and um, even though God has placed that knowing on the inside of every man and woman, many people will deny that, you know, choose not to accept him or choose to walk away, okay? Okay. Um, he's speaking about unrighteousness and throughout the verses afterwards and what happens as a result of this and what happens as a result of choosing to walk away from him so um, verse 18 for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them You know remember we said a few weeks ago when people say um, and I think I quoted this verse when people say oh they don't believe in God or they have absolutely no uh, conviction that there's a God. You know that goes against everything that the word says here because so deep deep down you know, they may become so callous to things, they may become so hard at heart that they want to believe those things, but in every single man and woman, God placed, he, the Bible says he revealed himself out of heaven to all against all ungodliness. He's shown himself to every man. There's a knowing on the inside that there is a God. For since the creation of the world... We can clearly see what he's like, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They didn't glorify him as God. You know, one of the reasons why people get worn out or drained and turn away from God or refuse to accept him is because they fail to keep him glorified in their lives. You know, you can say that that means um, that mean, like you know, to glorify him. You know, ways that we can glorify him is, you know, we can give him our praise, give him our worship, place him at the highest level. But it means it really means to value, to continually value what God has done in your life. And you know, I heard these things a long time ago, and they changed my life when I, when I heard that it is so important as believers that we are to glorify God for every little thing that he's done for us. Little thing and big thing. He's done everything. Changed us. Keep him glorified in your life because when you don't, you so easily forget. You so easily forget you know, when we're talking about how to keep things activated on the outside, what happened on the inside. Keep glorifying him for what he's done on the inside. That's one of the ways you keep it activated. If you want to keep yourself on the right path and stay fully consumed with him, you have to value him above everything else. You can't place everything, anything else above him. You have to give him the most value. You know, it's the same as when you place, whatever you place value on is what you're going to protect. Yes? What you're going to, you know, not allow, you're going to take all the means necessary to stop it from being stolen from you. But yet so many times we allow the enemy to steal what God has done for us by his lies or his deceit because we don't glorify him. Because we not we're not praising him, we're not thanking him, we're not continually glorifying him and valuing him. So the enemy comes and swipes it. We think then, oh, you know, it's the same as even take for example, you know, you receive your healing. It's one thing receiving your healing, and then it's another thing maintaining keeping your healing because the enemy's going to come back to try and take it from you. To try and tell you, you know, oh, it didn't happen. Or you still feel the pain, so it didn't work, you're not healed. That's why you hear us say it time and time again, you need to speak out what the word says. Continually, when those thoughts come, take them captive. You need to believe that it happened or don't believe it. It's as simple as that. So you either believe that God's your healer, that he already bore your sickness and carried your diseases and by his stripes you're healed, or you don't. So, when you receive your healing, when you reach out and receive it by faith, you know that you have it. Nobody can take that from you. But see, if you allow whatever feelings to rise up to you know, combat that and say, oh, no, it, you mustn't have it, that's the enemy try, trying to come and steal it from you. You need to protect what is the most value, valuable to you. If you don't value God, you're not going to protect your relationship with Him. You're not going to protect your relationship with Him. So, it's. No wonder you find yourself in the dump because you're not placing the value on your relationship with him. Instead of the things of God diminishing in your life over time, church, they should be growing bigger and bigger. They should be growing bigger and bigger. It's not a case of, yes, bam, you have a touch from God. You receive God as your Lord and Savior. You know, he's healed you. He's delivered you. He set you free. You have an encounter. And then a few months later, it's just, getting less and less. You're still coming to church. You're still, you're still believing. You're still, you're still saved. You're, you know you're going to heaven, but you're just not really walking in that newness of life. You're just, everything's a struggle. Everything's an uphill battle. Everything's like you feel exhausted. You're drained. Keep valuing him. Keep glorifying him. That's one way you, you do those things. Keep it in your thoughts. Never forget all that God's done in your life. Whatever your mind is focused on, whatever your mind is focused on, you know when you magnify something, it gets bigger. That's where, like when we say, oh Lord, we magnify you, we make him bigger. You're not, God can't get any bigger, so to speak, but according to your understanding and who he is to you, you can make him bigger in your life. But that only happens if you magnify him magnify him in your life. I'm telling you church these principles changed my life. Whatever your mind is focused on, it gets bigger. If you're focused on God and the things of God, they'll get magnified in your life. And then we're back to we're back to the mind again. What you allow your mind to be fixed on, it is a powerful powerful tool. And it's where many of us stumble. It's where many of us stumble. You know, if you're constantly thinking about the bump in the road, then the bump is going to look like a mountain. Because you're constantly magnifying it. You're glorifying that instead of glorifying God. So you make it bigger in your life, and it's a bump. So the bump then becomes bigger. You easily forget or devalue what God has done. You know, you can truly glorify God and something else, whether that be good or bad. You have to esteem him above all else. You know, people talk, you know, esteeming him above all else. You know, people think, uh, you hear that all the time about, oh, you know, you need to have a high self-esteem. You need to, you know, have a good self-esteem and self this and self that. It's not about self-esteem. It's about a God esteem. Yes, of course it's important to feel good about yourself. Of course it's important to not, you know, hate yourself. And you shouldn't because you're God's creation. That's just what we've been talking about. If you knew who you really are, you wouldn't think it that way about yourself. You wouldn't think of yourself as having a complex or been at a disadvantage because you're not seeing who you really are. But we talk about this self-esteem all the time or we need to build ourselves up, build ourselves up, build ourselves up. You need to build him up in your life. It's about a God-esteem, not a self-esteem. And by building him up and valuing him, you automatically build yourself up. It automatically happens. You know, who in here, I'm sure everybody in here can say and, you know, testify to the fact that even when things are difficult, just like we said at the beginning, I think was it was Leah that said it at the beginning about, you know, we can, we can have times where we're uncomfortable. And we don't want to, it's uncomfortable to praise God because our situations are uncomfortable. And you have to push past it and praise him. But who knows in here that when you glorify God, you push through whatever it is that's coming against you and you glorify him, start magnifying him, you automatically feel better. Because it makes him bigger and whatever is trying to come against you or steal your focus, smaller. Because that's the way the mind works. You know, whatever you think on, So many of our, like, you know, yeah, I said this a couple of weeks ago about that stat about how many thoughts go through your mind a day. And it's thousands upon thousands. And 90 something percent of them are repetitive. So you're thinking the same thought over and over and over again. So if that thought is negative, you can understand why thoughts have such a good power in your life. If you turn that 90%, that repetitive thought, into a godly thought, into magnifying and glorifying Him, it's going to do you the world of good it's going to do you the world of good. Many people have an encounter with God or get some clarity or perspective to see things from God's viewpoint. They were believing for something, They they got the faith, they received it. They had a breakthrough. You know, they have, they experience a miracle or whatever it is. They feel like they're riding on the mountaintops. They're pressing forward, encouraging the things of God. And this is all great. This is what we should be experiencing. But like I said, why do people not stay in that place? Why do we not stay in that place? Even, you know, and this is something that I am practicing and putting forth in my life all the time, that I don't want to be in a dump at any stage. I don't want to be down low. And, you know, you know, you know that opposition is going to come, you know, trying times, testing times, I said that on Sunday, is going to come, you're going to have times of testing where you're going to have to praise God and encourage yourself in the Lord, you're going to have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord, to push on, to press on, but you shouldn't be living down here, you should be living up here, on the mountaintop, in the newness of life, We feel empty or drained after a few weeks or months. It's because somewhere along the way, you stopped esteeming God in your life. You stopped valuing what He done for you. You know, when something's fresh in your head, you know, when something happens or something good happens to you and it's fresh in your head, you can live off that. You're, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's on your brain, it's, it's on your focus, it's where your focus is, and you're, you're in that place continually. And then just as time goes on and time goes on and time goes on, it kind of, if you allow it, it kind of decreases in value. And your mind tends to forget, forget what, what happened, forget where you were and what God has done, and it devalues it. And you find yourself in a place of, you know, trying to get back up again, climbing back up the mountain. You know, even been unaware, they've taken their eyes off God and what he's done and placed it on something else, therefore making that thing bigger in their lives. You know, everything that we receive from God or anything that is of him, we have to prize. That's what we should be prizing and valuing. We must keep our attention on him. When when circumstances arise don't magnify them only keep your attention on him and i just want to i'll close with these two examples you know in the book of acts in chapter 20 paul gathered a few of the church leaders together and he was on his way back to jerusalem and he he didn't you know in the verses it tells us you know a lot of the a lot of the planting that he'd done along, along his journeys, you know, he got to love these people and know these people and, you know, pour into these people. And they've seen what he went through. They've seen the struggles that he had, the persecution that he came up against. But they've also seen the sand that he took and how he lived his life and how he made the number one focus in his life spreading the gospel and doing what God called him to do, despite everything. So in Acts chapter 20, Paul gathers some of these people together that he'd sown into And he was on his way back. And he knew by the Spirit, God was revealing to him by the Spirit, you know, that tribulation chains were awaiting. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen, the Scripture tells us. You know, when he's encouraging them one last time, reminding them all of the purpose for which he was called. He stated that he went through many trials and setbacks, but he persevered through them. He didn't magnify the persecution or the tribulation. you know, Paul was very honest in his writing, in his letters. He was very honest. And that's one thing that I love reading about him. He was very honest about his writing, in his writing, but he he told it how it was, but he always took it back to glorifying God. He always took it back to magnifying him and how whatever it was that came against him, it wasn't enough to turn him off. He didn't magnify the persecution or the tribulation. He magnified the joy of the Lord that would enable him to finish his race. I just want to read that in Acts chapter uh, 20 really quickly. In that verse, in verse uh, 24. But none of these things move me. So he had just been going on about Saying anything that came against him, everything that had came against him, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. He was finishing his race with joy. He gave everything he could to tell people about the grace of God, the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 12 is another one. Jesus himself. Talking about how he was, you know, going to endure the cross. But see, Jesus didn't magnify what was going to happen to him on the cross, did he? That's how he was able to endure it. Because of what? The joy that was set before him he magnified what it was going to achieve he looked out over eternity and he's seen you and he's seen me and he's seen all the people that was going to be able to come into his kingdom because of what he was about to do that's what he glorified that's what he magnified in his life the will of the father he what he was sent forth to do And that's how he was able to do what God had called him to do. That's how he was able to endure the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? That we could come to him so that we could be made brand new, so that we could have that true holiness and true righteousness just like he has. That was the joy that was set before him. Magnify him. Value him. Esteem him in every area of your life, for everything that he does for you. Whatever you're believing God for, what he's done up to this point, thank him for it. Keep it in your remembrance. And whatever he does from now on, because he will, everything that he brings you through, give him the glory for it. That's how, one of the ways how you'll stay fresh. That is one of the ways how you will continue to pull out what's on the inside and keep it activated on the outside. Keep him glorified in your life. We have to stay consumed with him. We have to draw out from our spirit what we need in order to press on. Choose righteousness. Choose what, ple- what pleases him. And remember to never take your eyes off what has truly happened in here. Start seeing yourself for who you really are. Start declaring it. Not just knowing it, speak it out. And, I'm, and it will keep you in that place of being able to receive from him amen amen heavenly father we praise and we thank you we thank you father for this opportunity once again to hear your word to receive from your spirit you're a faithful god you're a good god thank you for what you've done thank you father for making us the righteousness of god in christ jesus you have made us righteous when you look at us lord you see your son jesus we're forever thankful we glorify you lord in every area of our lives Help us stay in that place of remembrance of all that you've done for us. Help us value you, Lord, above everything else. Oh, we want to glorify you, Lord. We don't want to walk like those unrighteous people walked where they failed to glorify you. And that was one of the reasons why they didn't accept you or weren't able to accept you, Lord. But we want to walk in everything that you've called us to be, We thank you, Father, for placing in us everything that we need. We're going to be active. We're not going to be passive. We're not sitting around waiting for you to do something, Lord. We're going to grab everything that we have with two hands and not let go. We thank you, Father, for our week. We thank you, Father, for your protection on us. Everywhere we go, your hand is upon us, Lord. We thank you that we're sensitive to your spirit, for our ability to be sensitive to your spirit, to hear from you, because you're always speaking to us, Lord. You're always willing to lead us and guide us in the right direction. So, Father, help us be sensitive to your leading in everything we do. We know, Father, that we're protected everywhere we go. When we leave the house, when we come home, when we're outside, no matter where we are, our families and we are protected, Lord, angels are taking charge of us your faithful, your goodness and your mercies pursuing us all the days of our lives. We thank you, Father Lord, for another opportunity to give. We thank you, Father Lord, that you've blessed us. You've blessed the seed of our hand, Lord. You've blessed us. You've made it, you've made it available to us, Lord. You've given us the ability, Father, to increase as we apply our faith to, to you and all that you've done. We thank you for the opportunity to plug in to what you're doing in this community, in this town around us, Father. Thank you for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom for eternity. Not stirring up things, Lord, that isn't going to be any use to us. But we'll only sow seeds, Lord, that are going to be valuable in eternity, and that's souls. So we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to sow into your kingdom. And Lord, we know that you'll bless us you bring back to us, Lord, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Thank you, Father, that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of our needs are met. So I thank you, Father, for the ability to give to other people. And everything that we receive, Father, we can pour back out. Thank you, Father, Lord, for opportunities this week to minister your word, to show people to shine forth your light and your glory as we've been called to do, to be true temples of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father Lord, that here at Island Church we're covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.